PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello. Hello there, Nota. How are you doing? Oh, wow. Amazing to meet you. It is my delight to meet you as well. Just uh, give me a second to catch my bearings here, but this is exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. Yeah, I'm Welcome very... to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I should probably let you uh, finish and get a word in edgewise before I start my statements. It's, uh... But yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, my pleasure. Um, I don't have any statements to make. Um, I'm interested to hear your story. Oh, yes. I think uh, you, amongst many people who uh, follow my incessant ramblings on the subreddit at this point and want to know just what is this guy's day job and uh, what acts does he have to grind with us? And uh, <laughs> I, I promise that uh, I'll give you maybe a quarter of the answers that you'd like and the rest of them I'll assign as a homework exercise. Okay. <laughs> Are you saying you like torment them into better mental health? <laughs> um there's there, there's definitely a side there but no i i do think that uh truthfully um i do just have a strong pro-social leaning that is mm -hmm. a part of how i see the world in the first place i mean to me it's kind of interesting um uh, while other people might look at what I'm doing and say like you know he's kind or he likes people or something like that it doesn't make sense to me because it's not kindness it's just i see what is happening in other people and when other people are twisted up it drives me fucking insane so if you could all just be a little bit more straightened out and functional to not personally torment me uh that'd be great and uh I'd be much obliged <laughs> yeah well good luck with that mission <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. I think there's been um, some promising results. Um, you know, so I think today that uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, kind of the three parts that uh, we already chatted a bit about, which is, uh, first of all, my background. Um, mm -hmm. I should put my own cards on the table so people uh, see what it's like to be vulnerable yourself and people can see themselves in me and my own experiences that I share. Yep. Uh, go ahead. Yep, no, yep, no, that's that sounds great. Yeah. The the next part would be kind of how I see the world and uh how I operate. And uh that's something that I'm very willing to share because that is kind of my life's passion or ambition is to uh figure myself out enough so that the world isn't as chaotic and traumatizing as when I was a child and trying to figure out how other people work and then how to bridge that difference. Mm-hmm. And then that leads finally into uh, kind of what I've been doing in the sub. Um, and so it all 
ties together into a nice little package somehow, I promise. Okay. Um, <laughs> do, do I need to introduce you at all? Do I need to say who you are and why, why it's a pleasure having you here? I think it would be great to hear your perspective and not just listen <laughs> to the self-absorbed fuck introducing himself. So absolutely, <laughs> please do. <laughs> well, you're, you're somewhat of a legend on the sub, aren't you? You're, and you are a warrior. <laughs> but you're you're a warrior of a different sort, you know. You're determinedly hacking away um, at misery, um, and you you put so much work in. It's extraordinary, you know. You are on there so frequently on this this uh, forum that we're both on, um, offering a detailed, thorough, um, and very practical. Um, ways um, of looking at things to help people uh, break out of uh, the way they're thinking, the disordered way they're thinking. Um, and you've been at it for a year. I mean, that's incredible to have that sort of commitment and patience to steadily, day by day, um, offer each person as as they come in and share to offer them something uh, to keep them moving forward, to give them hope, to give them some release. I mean, that that is incredible. Yeah, I mean, well, that was better than what I was going to say, so we'll take it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think that when I explain where I'm coming from and uh, kind of my own deepest desires, that it all wraps up nicely together. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's... It's something that I enjoy doing at the moment um, before I think about what I want to do in terms of monetizing or making a living or what career path I want to go down seeing as I'm uh, in-betweens right now. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is that I wanted to prove some things to myself. There have been, there has been constant turmoil in my life of uh, mistakes, of seeing people not understanding each other, people not understanding me, me not understanding them, and conflicts that I've been in that have been unresolved. And uh, I mean, even disordered people, ordered people, we all strive for uh, some semblance of mastery, self-control. And so this, you can see, is almost uh, almost the persistence of a disordered person to a degree of my trying to uh, answer some of those many outstanding questions that I have and to doing so, uh, fostering a relationship or an atmosphere, an environment on the sub where people feel like they can come in, uh, they can show who they are, that they can be broken, damaged, they can be on the path to healing, they can be um, in some other places. And for the most part, <laughs> um, they'll be kindly received. There are sometimes will be a bit more aggressive and uh, we can talk about those as well. Mm -hmm. But for the, for the most part, I think it, something like this is necessary um, that before people can even think about like, what am I struggling with? What's normal? Should I go to therapy? What kind of person will help me? Um, you need to feel like it's safe, that you'll be accepted, that somebody sees something in you. And that can be the pull that gets you to start going deeper or to feel like it's even worthwhile in the first place. And so it's, I think that uh, something like what I'm doing and then maybe the resource that I want to write out of this, either a website or a book or something like that, that uh, 
people can explore in safety is especially for disordered people who are the ones doing the dumb fuck things. Like, you know, I'm the person who cheats, lies, manipulates, steals, abuses, um, lashes out in anger. Um, it can be a lot harder for people to find somewhere that holds open space for those negative affects that isn't persecutory in a moral sense. And Absolutely. So, like, and, and that's, I have to say, I mean, I, I have learned so much being there and and the learning has been the the largest part of it has been to be non-judgmental and to to have those open arms or, or that open mind for anyone and everyone and to meet them where they are i think you know that's that's really the incredible difference compared to so many other places um that really people are just accepted as they are yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's ironic that uh, Bullet said on uh, one of the other interviews with you two, but uh, this place has kind of transformed into one of the most empathic spaces. It's ironic. So many people come here asking <laughs> literally every day and I'm at, oh, goodness, three dozen posts and counting explaining what empathy is or something thereabouts. But I mean, really, that is... Uh, kind of an ultimate expression of empathy, like just that repetition of meeting people where they're at. Um, even if you don't read my definitions, there's a way in which I am showing uh, through my actions what the thing is. And I think people have understood that, like even yourself, you start pitching in, you start doing the same thing, you start uh, doing the work for other people who show up. And that's really the thing that tells me that I know what I'm doing or that I have hit onto something is uh, not even that people understand my words or that they laud me or something like that. But when I see other people understand it well enough and motivated enough to repeat it themselves, that means that I've gotten at something. Now what that is to be determined, but it's, it's something. It seems to be working though. <laughs> Yes, I'm, uh, you know, I was just talking with my partner last night, and uh, it's funny, uh, she calls herself uh, my dear. Whenever my uh, grasp of self-esteem gets too high, she comes along and mows it down a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I was very excited about um, some of the conversations that I've had recently and some of the relationships that I've fostered because of this work that I've done. And, uh, you know, she told me not to get too overexcited, that I don't quite have any responsibilities yet in terms of, like, seeing people regularly um, or not quite earning an income yet. And I was like, yes, dear, you're right, okay. Um, trying to make sure that I don't... Uh, I'm also coming out of a bit of a spiral and depressive phase myself, so it's uh, a good way to help keep me grounded and for me to not go manic myself. So, I mean in case anybody is wondering, like I do identify as being disordered myself, particularly borderline and within that borderline category, also just about everywhere fucking else, depending on the time. Um, so that, that, that's a borderline thing, isn't it? It's, it's like, you just look at people and you're like, Oh, I just want to be with you. And oh. hop into where you are and look at you with those big eyes and, what is it you feel again? Me too, kind of yeah. thing. Do you get that? <laughs> oh, I mean, when you put it that way, then yeah, I guess I'm just borderline as fuck. Like, that's what I've been doing on the <laughs> sub. So yeah, no, that's, uh, <laughs> you uh, You got me over a barrel there. But, um, <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone else. <laughs> 
All right. So yeah, let's um I guess Yeah, let's start with with your beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um so I guess just for most people, uh I'm biracial. Um so black and white, father Jamaican, mother generic white. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Troy, I was actually just talking to uh on the subreddit, uh wanted me to give a shout out to him as being the hottest person on the planet. Sorry, you other <laughs> narcs. But he also informed <laughs> me that I should tell people that I am Canadian um, and that that helped ex- explain my benevolent behavior on the sub and uh, politeness <laughs> and kindness. So okay. <laughs> this was uh, this is apparently a very important detail. Well, um, we will get along well, won't we? Canadians <laughs> and Australians are supposed to be quite similar. <laughs> Oh, well, that explains things already. Yeah, uh, there we swimming. go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, so my upbringing, uh, my parents divorced when I was uh, three. They uh, got married at a young age. I was the first child, probably an accident, and uh, they weren't exactly ready for it, like I'm sure many of the parents uh, on the sub were not. And uh, so my mother was a single mother. Uh, she had uh, my brother uh, 10 and a half months uh, after me. So Irish twins for those of you who like vulgarities. And, you know, normally you like to say that, um, you know, you would bond really deeply with that parent as a single uh, parent that, uh, you know, you'd been through the shit and, uh you guys lead on each other and that's really important for everybody. And, uh, this is not that story. Um, Mm. no, uh, I think my mother has been, it's, it's not the worst experience. I'm sure there are people on the sub who have had worse, but I mean, for me, it's been the most traumatic thing that's happened to my life. Like if I could change one thing, it would be that. And, uh, things would have gone a lot better. Um, and so, I mean, my, I identify my mother as being either uh, emotionally immature, narcissistic, or um, toxic to some degree. Um, And so when my father was gone, she basically used me as a stand-in for him, as also as a a scapegoat or somebody for her to projectively identify into or somebody to abuse. And I mean this... uh, Mostly emotionally, and I mean this to the depth that uh, for as long as I can remember, I've basically always been slandered and misrepresented to all family and friends as being violent, manipulative, abusive, uh, just, you know, not a, uh, a great person, and that I was always uh, doing hard by her, doing harm to her. So basically, she could play the victim and obtain uh, sympathy from other people. Um, you know, I can remember one of the clearest memories that I have of this is being six years old and uh, going to bed crying one night because I thought that I was a bad person and that bad people didn't deserve a place in the world. Um, so that's uh, yeah. some of the... That's some of the setup with my mother. Um, mm. Aside from that, I also had... Uh, a decent amount of racism as a child growing up in a mostly white at the time uh, area. Um, so just uh, a couple of incidents that uh, I vividly remember. Most of my childhood is pretty gray with a couple of things that stand out sharply. Um, so one I remember was my first grade teacher was 
flagrantly racist. Um, she would say that uh, I didn't read at the same level as other kids do, That uh, uh, which, of course, maybe she wasn't wrong. You can read my writing on the sub and see that I can sometimes barely put a sentence together. So, hey, maybe she was looking into the deep future. Um, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh she would say that you know that i'm never gonna end up anywhere anyways because i'm black um wow. i remember i remember one that time really, full on <laughs> yeah it, it was something of that sort um or implied uh one of the things i remember the most clearly was one time there was a stupid uh presentation in the gym and every kid got like a toy to go with it and some kid later on complained that their toy was missing. And the teacher immediately came over to me, made me empty out my pockets, my desk, my backpack at the back, and then like maybe stand at the back or something like that, looking for this kid's toy. She presumed that I stole it. Um, and then at the end of the day, they found it in some other kid's desk. Um, I take it she didn't <laughs> apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Optimism. This mm. isn't one of those stories. Um, another incident that I remember uh, from being a kid was uh, in grade three when I got suspended for throwing a kid headfirst into the pavement. Um, which, I mean, it's not polite. Like, I don't recommend it. Mm. Um, but him and three of his friends jumped me at recess for no particular reason and he was the one who got it the worst and then he showed up to the office later and said uh you know just beat me up for no reason and the principal looks at me and is like well what happened i said him and three of his friends jumped me they're like no we don't think that's what happened i'm like that's what happened they're like no that doesn't make sense to us i you know something here doesn't add up i was like okay fine i beat him up for no reason they're like yeah okay there we go and i got suspended Hmm. So I'm uh, not exactly used to uh, authorities being particularly helpful, which leads into this next one. Um, and I guess I should give a mild trigger warning for childhood uh, sexual abuse. Um, so obviously uh, I'm already painting a description of a pretty emotionally uh, barren and desolate life with not a lot of support. And so there was uh, one year when I was in grade five and uh, I was staying with my grandparents uh, at the time with my brother. Uh, my mother had uh, found a new boyfriend. They're buying a house. This was in between times. And so I was in a new area and there was a friend of my grandmother's who started taking an interest in me and spending time around. And, uh, yeah, I would, as a 10 year old, uh, being very confused and all the other things that had uh, happened that I've described. I uh, finally started, well, I guess the way to put it is like every child, and I one of the intuitions I have on the self is even people who are disordered, the childlike part of them still hungers, craves, nurture, and guidance. They're just looking for it from somebody who they can trust and who will recognize and understand them. And so here I am, this child with that same kind of hunger and desire for particularly somebody to show me what it's like to be a man. Like I have my mother raising me, my grandmother, my mom had three sisters. So I have a lot of female influences and is the reason why I don't particularly act like what a lot of other people expect men to be like. Uh, it's kind of a part of the how I was raised in the environment I was in. 
And so I thought that this uh, person would be able to help me um, with that or to be that figure for me. Um, so, you know, he molested me twice and I told my grandmother and he lied, but never came around when I was there again. So I never saw him uh, again after that. Um, and to be honest, like at least I said something, I got off relatively uh, lightly, as is probably not surprising to anybody who knows how these things work. He was a more prolific uh, molester mm. and, uh, you know, did things worse than that to others. So, again, I got off relatively uh, lightly in this case. But uh, another thing that I've heard talking to people who are disordered is the time in their life, particularly when they were a child, when they made the decision of who they were going to be or what they were going to do or how they were going to navigate the world. I've heard this uh, device more than once by now. And after that incident in particular for me was the, you know being betrayed uh, in that way by somebody who I thought I could trust, that was when I decided that... Uh, I'm on my own. And if I can't figure something else out on my own, then I'm simply fucked and there is nothing to do about it. Um, which has its pros and has its cons. Mm. Um, but uh, I really want to just kind of hammer in on that idea of um, that time. Also, as I talked about before, vulnerability and malleability. Uh, before things harden and become what they're going to be. That being the time for me where that vulnerability or openness or the different directions I could have gone in uh, kind of came into being and solidified into uh, something that is still very present to me for this day. And I think that uh, a lot of people uh, have probably gone through something similar, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean... So first of all, I mean, I still have a couple more points just about my upbringing. Um, yep. Do you want to mm -hmm. jump in there with any notes there, Noda? Well, I, I was just going to ask um, how your grandmother took that news. Did did Was there a response where you felt at all protected? Oh, uh, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, she told him and he never showed up around, but it wasn't exactly like I was believed. Like, they didn't believe me. Um, yeah, so I guess the answer to that is emphatically no. He played it off. They believed him more. He never came around again, so there was nothing, never anything awkward, but nobody clearly particularly gave a shit. Um, and <laughs> actually, funnily enough, we're going to come back to this uh, in mm. a little bit. But um, yes, uh, this, I'm glad that you uh, brought that point up i wouldn't have even uh thought to mention um about whether or not anybody protected me or looked out or validated my experience afterwards because the answer is of course not <laughs> um mm -hmm. so i'm glad that you uh uh jumped in there um again this is one of those things that i share to people about uh empathy being open enough to have other people's perspectives inform you of your blind spots so just uh modeling that right there for a second Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think nowadays people are more aware um, and we'd hope that, that, you know, most kids would get a different response. But, yeah, um, pretty traumatic. Yeah, that, hmm. that is a good point. I That's another thing is, like, I don't quite hold that against them because, as you said, you know, it's a time, there's ignorance. Uh, I do hold them 
more responsible for when things have been more open and their responses at other times. Um, but yeah, well, we'll get there in a moment. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so kind of wrapping up some of the last of this, um, it wasn't all, you know, doom and gloom, um, particularly in high school. Uh, I started making friends and getting along. I was surprised as fuck in grade nine in high school when I showed up to a new school and people just liked me out of nowhere. And I was just like, oh, heck are they yanking my chain for? Um, <laughs> I was just suddenly popular. And it's even uh, really funny because uh, it wasn't even just in my head. I had a couple of people who gave me the feedback of, yeah, when you're a kid and I met you at first, I didn't really like you, but now you're cool. And I was just like, oh, uh, great. So um, there was some magic <laughs> transformation and you you became cool. Yeah, basically something happened. And I mean, you know, that didn't last super long. So I ended up hanging around with the uh, the nerdy kids and uh, kind of intellectuals. But there was, uh, you know, I had the freedom to choose at that point, kind of like which direction I wanted to go in and who I wanted to hang around. And there was something that people saw in me that they uh, enjoyed, identified, like some of the uh conversational skills and wit that i have now at this point i guess was uh starting to take shape then and you know it's been rough and in patches uh in different places at different times but uh yeah that's uh it goes back early for me i suppose mm -hmm. um but you know also in high school there were ways that uh i clearly wasn't like other people i had like my first anxiety attacks and deep mood swings and other issues as an adolescent in high school and still had experiences with things like casually saying how much I hated my mother and being looked at strangely by other people being like, you can't say that. And me just looking at them blankly being like, wait, you don't? Uh, <laughs> again, you know, that whole perspective thing. Um, and so, yeah, I guess another thing is like, you know, I dated around, messed around, uh, romantically at that time, but, uh, my mother, uh, at that time, uh, aside from kind of the emotional incest, um, just between the two of us, but she was also, uh, routinely suspicious, confrontational and hostile with, uh, girlfriends or female love interests to, uh, help paint a portrait of, uh, what that relationship was like. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've got um, three more points here and then we're through my upbringing. I promise that uh, I don't love talking about myself this much that we're gonna get through <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, uh, another really hot memory that I have for myself and this is gonna speak to what you say about uh, that lack of protection. Um, well, also just sabotage. So uh, there was one time when I was like 18 or 19 and I was uh, home for Christmas. And at this point, my mother had remarried and I uh, have a half sister who's three, who I adore. And I still have a great relationship with, even though I don't see her as often as I would like, because uh, I don't have a relationship with my family at this point. Um, but I was there and uh, I'd asked my sister uh, whether or not she wanted a cookie uh, that my partner at the time didn't. And my sister smacked it out of my hand, said no, and walked away. And I called her back over and gave her a small smack on the hand to get her attention. I was like, kid, you, you don't do that. Like, that was very rude and inappropriate. And, you know, I explained it to her and 
had her say it back. And uh, just before I say the next part, like, yes, I probably wouldn't even do that these days to get a kid's attention. Like, I don't think that's necessarily necessary. But, you know, uh, from my perspective, like getting hit with a belt and shit like that, I was, uh, from my perspective, like a little love tap to get a kid's pers- uh, attention and be like, you should listen now was appropriate. Um, and I'm sure people have different views on that. And I accept that. Um, but yeah, my, uh, mother's friend then called me over, um, in front of everybody and smacked my hand and told me not to take out my anger on little children. Um, and everybody in the room kind of was immediately uncomfortable because regardless of what your views on that are, uh, everybody knew that like, I love my sister and that's not what I was doing. Um, so then I walked away kind of confused and dazed. Uh, and she followed me and started accosting me and being like, listen, I know that you're violent and manipulative like your father and that like you've done this to your mother your whole life. But like you got to figure out a way to stop and to change and that, uh, you know, you're going down a bad path, just really uh, laying into me. Uh, and just, you know, nobody did or said anything. And afterwards she uh, she left and uh, my mom uh, drove me and my partner back to uh, the place we were living at the time. But uh, obviously I was furious and enraged because uh, clearly that's not what I'd been doing. Um, and clearly like what she was saying was horseshit. And, you know, my mother was trying to be like, well, you know, yeah, uh, like, I'm sorry that she didn't stop it. She didn't say anything. Um, and I was just like, don't even say a fucking word. Like you, you're the one who fucking told her this. She's like, no, she made up her own opinion. She came to her own ideas. Which kind of coincided with things she'd said previously to other people. Yeah, with with the thing, the the exact things that my mother said to me and to other people. And and also just like, this is your friend. And she just somehow formed this strange, erratic opinion out of nowhere. I mean, she's just blatantly gaslighting. and just didn't want to be uh, held accountable. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, this is the type of thing that she would say to me as well. And uh, the kind of cruel wounding, um, trying to identify me as the abuser when she was the one mostly doing it. Um, and so, yeah, like, I also remember uh, being 21. And again, another time when I was at a low point and she came and started accosting me again, uh, telling me that I'm the problem for my relationship. I'm the reason my life is going bad and this, that, and the other. And just to get her out of my face, I threw in her uh, face that I'd been molested when I was 21, just to get her to be like, you don't understand me. Like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't fucking care. That's proof of how I know you don't care. And she thought about it. And like you asked before about uh, if anybody protected me, she was, you could see the wheels turning, That she sort of remembered it and was like, wait a second, that was that was true. Like that, what that did happen. And then she just looked at me and was like, well, you obviously told me that just to hurt me and then walked around and left. These things stay with us, don't they? Oh yeah. That was uh, one of the angriest moments I'd been in my life. I, uh, I went out power walking. At first I was relieved because she fucked off and I was like, great, mission accomplished. And I kind of sat there for a second and thought about it. And I was like, wait a second. Was that just the response that I got from my own mother for something like this? 
And uh, I went out that night with a rather thick stick in my hands. And I swear to God, I was hoping somebody would pick a fight with me so I could beat them to death. I never uh, been as angry before or since. And the next day I screamed at her and then I had to leave. And I went to my grandparents and was depressed for a year and a half. And my mind kind of broke. Um, yeah. And I so, mean, that's, it, that's the thing too. It's that invalidation, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's a really hard thing. I mean, there's the shit that happens, but then there's the invalidation of your emotions that's that's the most difficult i think isn't it yeah i mm. i think you're in, i think you're entirely correct there i mean um the incidents themselves i feel like i could have could have do withstand but it's the way that people have acted around those vulnerabilities that uh that's the thing that kind of drives you insane um or just feels uh unjust mm. um did you do you get that thing where you you feel guilty then because it's been invalidated and you think I shouldn't be feeling this way they're not bothered why am I bothered Oh that's a that's a fascinating um kind of reaction to uh to bring up and to put out there I think some people do I think I'm usually too confrontational. <laughs> too, okay, yeah. Too, I mean, you can even see in the sub sometimes, like I'm really willing to lean into things and to be assured of what my perspective is or to be certain of what I think, but then I leave the space for the other person to inform me or to reflect back. But until somebody does that, like I don't care. So if somebody shows that they're not working with me or we're speaking past each other, then I don't, I'm unbothered by what it is coming out of their mouth. And so, uh, no, it, it just makes me angry um, at not being listened to, but it doesn't make me back down. Okay. So how, so how did you handle that anger then? So you said that time you went out walking the streets mm. and you wanted to fight to sort of discharge that mm-hmm. was that like a common pattern did you did you fight a lot or, or what did you do i don't actually um even these days i usually uh never allow myself to pick a fight and i usually try not to escalate them um that was a rare um time of kind of really desperately wanting it most of the time i would either uh do a lot of exercising or going for obscenely long walks or runs or uh, just internalizing it and becoming a catatonic, uh, dysfunctional mess um, of just anxiety. And uh, yeah, I mean, I identify a lot as being a quiet borderline. So for the most part, affects like that, I'll redirect to myself because uh, there is still a strong... uh, side sides to me that are kind that are empathetic that experiences what other people are experiencing and so just discharging that anger onto others without a reason or unjustly uh is both reminiscent of my own experience but then i also feel it if i were to do it to other people and i just like that doesn't actually make me feel better Mm. so um yeah 
with the way that my mind is set up, uh, internalizing um, the, those negative affects or redirecting them to myself through anxiety and rumination is uh, probably one of my go-to patterns. Yeah. And the anxiety, so you said you started having anxiety attacks in your teens? Yeah, um, just, you know, uh, crying, shivering, kind of breaking down, becoming uh, numb, uh, disinterested, uh, just things changing around me or feeling like the world was moving around me constantly and I just couldn't grasp onto it. Like I, I didn't have anything to stand on, no firm grounding. And so it was uh, confusing. And um, I don't generally get anxiety attacks anymore. Like I can just will be severely anxious for like months on end or kind of have it sitting there as a ball. But at that time when I was an adolescent, it would come out uh, more symptomatically or externally because, you know, I just didn't know what was happening or uh, how to manage it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I started having panic attacks at 15, but you're talking mm-hmm. about your anxiety attack is like, um, more uh, uh, with the the crying and and sort of an expressive it involves more than just sort of adrenaline and and anxiousness intense anxiousness is that correct yes uh when i was younger definitely there was more like i remember one time kind of like crying and shivering on a friend's couch and just like not even knowing what's happening to me myself and so you know it was uh there were definitely times where it was very noticeable mm-hmm and did you receive much support when you were in those states? Could you go to people with them or, or did you hide them and, and just sort of suffer through them as best well, you could? For the most part, uh, I think I suffered through things because, I mean, I didn't know what was happening, didn't know who to go to and didn't know how to say what was happening even if I did. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess to we're just about at the end here now. I should also say that uh, – you know, this is some of the traumatic stuff, but there was also, um, like, even as a kid, uh, I had a lot of strong positive affects. I mean, this is where the borderline comes from of swinging between them. I remember uh, having such intense emotions as a child that, I mean, I could get into euphorias or reveries just listening to beautiful music or lying down next to a stream on a beautiful sunny day and just feeling the wind rustling and the sun shining down on me. And I was, especially when I got to high school, was uh, more sociable. I mean, I just enjoyed people and their company as well. So it was, there's a lot of trauma that I've mentioned here because I think that's, uh, that's the thing that people are coming here for the good stuff. Um, (laughs) But there's, there's also always been that uh, a light side. And I think in my case, uh, it's been trying to manage those and it feels like the kind side has been more like who I am innately. And then some of the negative affects, the darker size was what was done to me or what was bred into me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important to note for other people who are maybe trying to identify how they got to be where they are or when it happened or what's nature and what's nurture is to share, uh, I think that that's how it happened in my case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, 
in a way, um, you know, I, I remember that that um, phrase that you can't, what you can't give from an empty cup or something, um, mm-hmm. and, and we are we we're sort of empty in that way that that what is poured into us then pours out, you know. So I mean, how much of us is what was poured into us? Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, and uh, like that's exactly the thing is uh, what happens to you and what gets put into you has to come out somehow or has to be interpreted, fit into who you're going to be. You have to find a way to accept that this is the world and how you're going to be in it. And so I think when you get uh, narcissistic or antisocial or something of the sort, those are solutions where you say, well, the world is shit. Uh, people have been shit to me. Like, this is what's normal. I'm going to be the same thing. I'm going to be better. Um, and you start inhabiting the malignant negative affect ends of things. And it's a perfectly reasonable uh, interpretation or solution if that's the life you're leading. Like, I I don't morally judge it. I think that practically um, it is harmful to you in terms of uh, being empty inside or never knowing what joy is or such things. Um, it pains me because I think it hurts the person if they only stay there, but it makes perfect sense if that's the decision that you've made, if you've had experiences that have been like that and what you anticipate the future is going to be like. So that's one of those things where I say that uh, you have to accept people and their past before you can uh, start to work with them or advise them or think about how to change is to just be like, yeah, no, you you are doing this for perfectly legitimate reasons. I see you. I hear you. Um, And if you want to make adjustments just purely for your own practical benefit, uh, I think that's something that I strongly believe in. I want to show people that there's a choice and that uh, I kind of know what I'm talking about and there will be a benefit for them. Um, But I I get where you're coming from. I just so strongly believe that there's more than that. Mm. And I remember when I was in therapy and I thought actually people cannot change without the right environment um, in terms of just having even that tiny space that gives the support to allow them to do that. I mean, it's all very well to say you should do this and you should do that. Um, but these are incredibly profound things. And, you know, if, if you just don't have that right space, it cannot be done. It just can't be done. So um, I guess I guess that's what you're doing there is creating that, that little platform, that sort of tiny bit of support that gives the strength to go, well, you know, just step out that tiny bit, uh, step out from where you are and try something new. Or even just showing people where you can put your foot down and it's not going to get eaten by an alligator. Just like, oh, you, yes. know, this, this, you know, there is an option and uh, this is the Yeah, place yeah, you your, put your foot is whole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got five toes still. <laughs> or yeah, I'd I, say as a borderline, it'd be like your foot is on solid ground. Absolutely. You know, it's not swaying up and down. Exactly. It's uh, providing people that uh, security or that uh, assurance that uh, I think we all do hunger for and that we do need. And that is what leads us to different solutions to 
how to cope with our childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll finish up then in terms of like my own personal life and how things have gone. Um, I won't get into the specifics of my uh, dating history. Um, as I'm, yeah, I know, big disappointment. <laughs> uh, I think that's the. I don't brief. think we've got enough time, do we? <laughs> if you're a typical borderline, it's rather long. <laughs> and if you're like me, there's plenty you don't remember. <laughs> and don't care so- to remember. Strangely, actually, um, for me, because of how introspective I am and how much individual experiences, like I really sink my teeth into them, relatively not as long of a track record and for no uh, reason of, uh, for lack of desire, I uh, certainly, uh, yeah, you're right, typical borderline tendencies are there. Um, But it's just that. It's probably easier for females, I must say. That. I'm glad I didn't have to say it. Um, <laughs> All you have to do is look at a guy and go, oh, I'm just such a broken little thing. Would you hold me? Uh, and uh, that seems to work. Oh, I so, again, complicated. Kind of the exact point uh, I was about to get into is uh, that I've had a lot of repetition compulsions of being attracted to people who felt like my mother in terms of being abusive, toxic, narcissistic, or just not even necessarily negative affects, just withholding or game playing or something that's outside from, you know, kind of an open functional relationship. And those being the things that infatuate or drive me the most. Um, But then that would also trigger my defenses that I've developed to protect me from those situations and people who are untowards, uh, have untoward ideas, uh, towards me and those situations would then descend into clusterfucks of my emotions <laughs> dragging me in what? Multi- yeah i mean it, it's crazy <laughs> isn't it it's it's you can just get so passionate and it's it's just it sucks you in it it's just like so magnetic and so mm. painful isn't it and, and oh. but so profound and so meaningful like that that shitty experience or those tendencies that hurt they're just ah they're just so tempting aren't they and everything else feels a bit sort of flat and boring and stale in comparison yeah i'm really glad you say this so there there are a couple points here but one that i'll say which is something that i do need to write more clearly somewhere and that is that if you are disordered a stable relationship will always be difficult for you Um, and I think that that's like, I, people know that to a degree, but it's, there's a way in which, uh, our societies, like relationships kind of get taken for granted. You're just like, yeah, like you get into one and you get married, you have kids, you shack up with somebody. And it's like, it's so presumed that you think anybody can do it. And I just, the ability to sit in a stable relationship and be content for a disordered person is the same as the ability to sit and be stable and content within your own skin. Like, even that's a difficult task. Mm, good point. And, and so um, to not uh, undersell it or to bring to people's attention the magnitude of the things that you're actually embarking on in a stable relationship. I mean, this is why people, uh, disordered people get bored in stable relationships is they don't have the skills or perspective or desires 
to be able to produce contentment or resolve and repair or to do the work of continuously investing. So you get bored and fuck off to the next thing that lets you do the thing that you know, which is create unholy fucking mayhem and havoc wherever you go. <laughs> and it, it's it's not to say that like you're fucked up or like you know like it it's doing the calm stable thing that it seems to be easy that just anybody can do is profoundly difficult for you. Oh, and that's such a good point. It, it's almost it sort of assumes mm. that stability is our default mode that we just sort of fall back into when we're not doing the crazy, mm -hmm. and yet it's just not there, is it? Correct. Yeah, I think that's a great way, which is the, like, that's the whole a part of the what I say about being disordered is like your desires are not in order. They are expressed at the wrong times. They're in tension with themselves. There's always something that makes impossible the things that would let you be calm and content over time and enduring. And that's where all the uh, intensities of emotions and the things that come out uh, come from is because of that. Uh, Basically, you're trying to solve an inner contradiction. Um, and because you can't do that, that creates this bottomless, relentless energy that keeps getting expressed if you're trying to do the wrong things to solve a conflict that isn't resolvable until you do some deeper work. Mm. Um, and so it's just uh, you you inherently do not tend towards equilibrium is kind of the, we're going to violate some thermodynamics here. Like chaos is uh, your default way of operating and to be able to be stable uh, is the thing that is difficult for you and that is actually powerful and skillful. Uh, I think a lot of disordered people as well, they want to think that the strong thing or the cool thing or the right thing to do is the thing that they're good at. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants to be egocentric or to feel like they're capable. And so they think, you know, well, I am powerful when I can cheat or abuse or manipulate or uh, be the one with the upper hand. And it's just like, no, you, you, you think that that's what makes you powerful? Try doing the opposite and come tell me when you've done it well. And uh, the the difficulty of that task, I think, should uh, tell you all that you need to know there. Oh wow! And and uh, oh, I'd just love to be a fly on the wall when people did come back and talk to you about what that experience was like. Yeah, you know, that kind of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, some people have. Uh, I'm still talking with some people who are going through kind of the playing around with that being stable, being open, vulnerable, trying to uh, to do that uh, hard side of things. And I mean, it's still something that I struggle with, uh, even in my relationship. So I mean, again, I'm not above y'all fucks. I'm one of us, one of us. Um, <laughs> like in my stable relationship of five years now, it is effort it is far easier for my partner to be uh invested and um like attached and um not roaming or up and down in the relationship than i am it's been something that i've had to work out my repetition compulsions and uh come to accept what kind of desires i should express when and how or what ones aren't going to lead me in a good path. Basically how to uh, rein in the traitorous little bastards that are my own feelings at times. And it 
it's still a difficult task. Like the point of healing isn't to suddenly you do everything right. And it also still feels good. And um, like, you never think the wrong things. It's just, you learn to cope or you learn to see, Oh, but like having this stable relationship is better than the alternative. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's just the worst. It's the least of two evils of um, you know living my life above board and being honest and learning how to enjoy some of the more functional, healthy ways of doing things is just going to be better overall than the incessant chaos of being like flagrantly unaware and disordered. And so mm. part of uh, healing or getting to what's being better is not, you know, the holy grail land of, uh, you know, having becoming a person who had the perfect childhood and never thinks any wrong things. Uh, I don't think uh, a full bill of health is something that I can sell to anybody. Uh, maybe some people can get there. Maybe it it's a goal that people can reach in time, and maybe it's something that I'm heading towards myself. But as somebody who thinks that they're I've got a decent handle on some of their issues and some of the things around them. Um, it's still effortful. It's still work, but you you see it as worthwhile or you're proud of yourself or you're content with the space that you've been able to carve out for yourself. And that is where your egocentricity comes from when you can say, you know, I feel that what I'm doing is right or that... Uh, the sacrifices I've made are worth it, or that the thing that I am aiming for when I get there is going to taste so sweet. That's the that's the thing that I'm trying to nudge people towards, or that I think I can try to sell them on, that I think people can realistically aim for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who who in the world? is, you know, really at peace and and had that fantastic childhood and everything. I mean, you know, probably they're probably lonely because almost no one can relate to them. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's not incorrect. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, one thing that came to me recently was, um, in fact, that having the part that had the disorder is... I actually like it because uh, it's such an intense, I know it's weird, but it's such an intense experience and now I realise there are other people with something similar Mm. and because I am intense, uh, then I I go, well, I know there are other people who I can feel at home with because they're similarly intense Mm-hmm. You know, and they've felt that terrible loneliness um, and the pain, the rejection, whatever it is, that struggle, the shame to the sort of, oh, my gosh, you know, I just want to cut off this part of myself because it's wrong. Um, there's something wrong with it and I've got to hide it and stuff. Um, and now I think, well, actually, I'm not alone with it. And um, I guess if you're a passionate sports person, you know, and you're crazy about your team, you meet with someone else and go, well, we're on the same page with this. We're both crazy about the team. And <laughs> and it really locks you together. Well, I, I feel like, well, actually, I, I've got something that joins me with, with people around the world. Um, and and it's it's actually rather lovely. Yes. And you know what? This is a 
basically a flagrant example of one of those things where I say that vulnerability and authenticity is a strength. Um, because if you're being authentic and you're being vulnerable and you're being honest and true to yourself and your experiences, uh, other people work in similar ways. Not So not everybody's going to be the exact same or be able to identify with you. But if you're being truest to yourself, when you speak that truth, somebody is going to hear it. Somebody or some people are going to be able to say, oh, I see myself here. Or even if they don't see themselves there, they'll be curious and empathetic and be like, I want to know more. And I do have to, you know, obviously, um, for people who are disordered or inhabit negative affects, we all know that the world can not be safe or that there are people who are predatory and we accept that. So it's not uh, something where I'd say, yeah, just go out and raw dog the world. Just be vulnerable and open with everybody. Um, no, like you can't quite do that. But if you can find the spaces and the people or the way to be vulnerable and authentic and find people who know what to do with that or will respond well, then it becomes incredibly powerful when you begin to see yourself reflected, validated, nurtured. Um, and that is an experience that I think everybody hungers for and that disordered people in particular, uh, they tie themselves in knots trying to think about how to obtain that validation. They try to mm. mask up, they try to uh, control the other person, they try to abuse them, they try to do things to get recognition or to get meaning or significance when uh, the thing that I'm trying to guide people to is the easiest way is to be yourself but to be yourself with people who uh, will hold open space at least, or even appreciate who that self is. And when you can find that and you get that experience and you see how effortlessly you can uh, have other people move towards you or approach you or appreciate you, uh, it just makes little sense for you to continue doing the dumb fuck shit. Like it's just mm -hmm. what, well, what's the purpose? It, you, there shouldn't be a reason to continue doing things in the wrong order when you can see that you can achieve deeper satisfaction much more easily. And isn't it funny because you're speaking about it um, with, with that clarity and yet there's, there's such a mountain to get over to get there. Right. For things to become simple. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's that's the uh that's the catch twenty-two, and that's kind of the sucker's game is uh when and this is kind of uh I say a lot of the time that the path to wisdom is about unlearning more than it is about taking on new facts. Uh the truth of how to do things well is usually simple, plain. In front of your eyes um, is the thing that should be the first thing that comes to your mind. But you're disordered when you end up like just getting into this nightmarish labyrinthine maze, this tangled mess of anything aside from doing that yeah, thing. Exactly. Anything but. But that's anything but. But that's because that anything but is precisely the place where you got fucked before or where people have pressed on you before. And so now you've been like, well, now I have to do anything but that place. Mm. And the routines that you have to come up with to try and approximate that place while not being there, yeah. that is what produces the energy and the dysfunction in the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And and another thing that um that you said 
Um, yeah, I have found that um, perhaps the the better, you know, the more well I became and the more honest, it's it's like a sorting device so that the people who who are the good people, the nourishing people, they come to you, don't they, w- when you're acting in that sort of more genuine way. It, it's oh. like they're drawn. It, it really does sort out different types of people. And if you feel more comfortable, if you are comfortable with being the way, you know, being that sort of more open way, um, you sort of don't give a shit about the others. And uh, and they seem less well to you, you know, if when they react negatively. Yeah, I think um, this is another thing where it's like you, to a large degree, uh, create your own environment and then other people have to react or swim in that environment and the more well you are other people who know how to navigate life and how to navigate environments will see other people who provide something that will be good for them that they appreciate um, that'll go well for both people and they will move towards those people and if you're somebody who creates environments that are hostile or difficult or antagonistic uh, you will Probably you will draw in some other disordered people who kind of relish the fight and the combat, but the more wise people or nourishing people are just like, the thing that I already have is too precious, too much effort. Uh, I've worked too hard. I'm too proud of myself to let it all get ruined just by stepping into uh, this environment that the other disordered person or whomever is creating that's going to wreck what I care most about. And so Mm -hmm. they will avoid those people. Um, They'll say, um, this isn't something that I can justify or that I even want. And so the core of it is the environment that you create in terms of how your mind works and what your desires are and uh, how you choose to show up in the first place uh, will help determine who continues coming towards you and what you, how you are treated. And so you know, you hear this a lot with disordered people. They're like, why can't I find the right people? Why does this always happen to me? Like, this never goes right. The world just isn't fair. And, you know, I'm not going to victim blame. I'm not going to say that it's always your fault. But to some degree, you do create an environment that either people say, look at and they think, oh, I can take advantage of this person. Or people want to fight back with you. Or people who are who would be the best for you uh think that they can't reach you or that uh, you'll be too hurtful to them for them to work in concert with you. And so they stay away. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, that's one of those things that I say about, you know, you create your own misfortune or you ruin your own life. Um, and it's in these very subtle ways in which like you can ruin your own life in being a, a negative affect person who talks about the destruction they cause. And then the healthy nourishing person who could, show you other ways of being or who could be a good friend who could always be there for you uh, just quietly distances themselves. And that thing that could have uh, profoundly changed your life in great ways, you closed off to yourself either so early on or so subtly that you didn't even realize that you'd made that choice or that opportunity cost. Uh, And then you wonder afterwards, well, why can I never find that thing? Well, you you make it impossible with the way you decide to show up in the first place. Mm. And the the other thing too is there's so many 
so many complex uh, um, different interactions throughout any day and we notice some and we we disregard others, don't we? So, you know, every day we also, you know, we um, we perpetuate things or we break out. Um, uh, usually perpetuate, I'd have to say for me. Uh, but, yeah, you know, again, we also shape it in that way by by not even noticing some of those things that, that could take us somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, this goes back to what I said about uh, unlearning or one of my favorite philosophers um, who's controversial because he was uh, a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean an actual Nazi, uh, Martin Heidegger. Um, but he really helped influence my thought early on in terms of um, when we're analyzing things, sometimes things are so close to your face that you can't see them. You take them for granted in that gaining greater mastery or awareness is actually taking the things that you know so well and actually holding them at a bit of a distance. So you can actually analyze the thing itself. It's like, you know, you have, I wear glasses, uh, 24 seven. Uh, well, I guess not when I'm sleeping. Uh, but, uh, it, it can actually be a wisdom to say, take them off and actually be like, okay, how are these shaping the way I see things? Or how does this work? Like, what would it be like to not have it? And this is the same way in terms of some of your behaviors or some of your automatic thoughts or your repetition compulsions. A great way to um, get to a path of healing is to actually be able to take enough of a step back from them, from just acting them out or just doing them without realizing to actually kind of look at them from a little bit of a distance and say, okay, this is actually what I'm doing, or this is how this is affecting me. And that's already uh, profoundly powerful um, that I think uh, some people undervalue or um, it, it's one of those things of knowing your own limits when you can see uh, what is contributing to how you see things and the limits to where they go and what could potentially lie on the other side. I mean, that's how you become not ignorant is knowing your own perspective, your own limitations, what you put into things that wasn't already there before. Uh, when you could be humble enough to know where you're starting from, where you're coming from, what you're using, um, and then open to what comes from without. I mean, that's also uh, one of the core components, I think, of empathy is knowing who you are and what you bring to it, but then stopping and saying, okay, the other person who's in front of me, now you speak, and it's not going to be what I already expect. It's not going to be what I already know, or maybe it isn't. It could be, but you give the other person that freedom to say, here's me in my circle. Here's what I know. Here's how I act. Um, and I'm going to see what you are. And if it's something different, I'm actually going to try to listen to it. I'm actually going to try to lean into it, value it. I'm not just going to uh, try to make it an instance of myself again, something that I already know. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wise words. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking at the time right now because uh, we're now uh, yeah. at a, so we, we could uh, probably cut this and just have this be uh, a first conversation and we can have some more, but uh, this would be, I guess, uh, kind of my upbringing. And just to wrap it up, just to let people know um, about uh, some of the perspective that I also have in trying to help disordered people. Um, so my mother, uh, I've slowly weaned her out of my life and then set some hard boundaries a couple of years ago that effectively ended our relationship. 
and uh, her life has gone swimmingly ever since, and being disordered and dysfunctional in that way will never harm you, and you'll have satisfying... No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so she started to implode uh, and get worse the more distant that I was because, again, um, as I say to people, uh, the power to do shitty things is not as powerful as you think. It's a crippling weakness when you have to have a scapegoat, when you have to have the ability to wound, when you need to prove yourself at others' expense. It means you have to constantly keep doing things, stepping outside, and if the world doesn't agree with you, it doesn't let you keep propping up those dysfunctional cycles and you collapse. And that's what happened with my mother. She started running through friends. She started spreading her shitty behavior towards them. She started antagonizing my brother's wife and his mother, and then they cut her off. And uh, apparently recently she uh, let go or got fired at the job she was working at, which is a big deal because she was one of those narcissistic people who was like, well, I'll find value in doing work and being productive. And that can justify me being a shitty person in other ways. So that was a big thing for her and something happened there. And I don't know because I haven't been close with them, but uh, from what I've seen from a distance and kind of heard secondhand through like my sister or other family members is that uh, she has not, life has not, gone great for her since my absence and uh i tried to make my last intervention when my uh brother was about to cut her off and uh of course she chose not to listen and so uh yeah just the place that she's in right now is uh an older person whose children don't talk to her whose careers possibly in jeopardy or that she blew oh man i have a I have a lovely story, but uh, I'm not going to share that. But uh, I, I, the subject of that won't be out. My mother's not a big Black Lives Matter fan. She's an All Lives Matter fan with uh, Black children. Um, and, it, and it involves work. Oh, what a, what a fun one. But anywho, um, <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, her, uh, her life isn't great. And mm. she's a disordered person who, again, like I have the experience of seeing it from early on, being on the receiving end, trying anything to try and help her, um, trying to figure out what was going on, blaming her, blaming myself, uh, and coming to acceptance, moving away. And so I still see, you know, uh, where the logical conclusion is. And I, if you're a disordered person who's wondering what your motivation is, uh, if you think that anything I've said touches you or has any credence, I, if anything I've said is analogous to what you think or feel, I can tell you that I have seen the outcome uh, with more than just my mother, other family members as well. And it's just not pretty. And all the chaos and hardship just to get to that point and then be miserable once you're there. Uh, when when you have that longer perspective and you understand things and you can sort of anticipate, it just hurts so profoundly mm. to see things go this way and to know where they're going to go and to not be able to do anything about it and for just so little reason. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, that's another one of those uh, core insights or experiences I have that... Uh, makes me as rabid as I am and that gives me the motivation to be doing 
what I'm doing. And I think that uh, anybody who I can set on the right path, who then goes along and helps other people get onto the right path or improves the lives of people around them instead of making them worse, um, is like, I just see the knock-on effects of how that plays out and what I'm preventing from happening if I can accomplish that. And uh, that's part of what allows me to understand the significance of what I'm aiming for and why it's so important. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, that's pretty beautiful sentiment. And I think it is a good point to stop. Um, there are just so many more things, even in that last <laughs> two minutes where I go, oh, I want to talk about that now. So um, I look forward to our next chat. Oh, so do I. I, uh, oh. I we've, we've got plenty of uh, material for the mill, but uh, this has been fantastic note. I've had a, a great time. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, we'll speak again soon. Uh, absolutely. All right. You take care. You too. The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.